0: How are you? It's good to see you all this morning. It's a nice summer morning, and we get to be together before the Lord. Um, We have a song to sing, For the Beauty of the Earth. Why don't we sing it together? Number 58 in our hymnals. And uh, just seeing the title of it, I, it makes me reflect on some of our, the text that we're looking at today, which, which says that the heavens and the earth will be burned up. <laughs> so what he has created is, certainly is beautiful, and uh, what is coming after that will be even yet more beautiful. So, which, whichever vision you want to have as we sing this song. Why don't we stand together and sing for the beauty of the earth. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
2: Thank you, um, Clara and Pastor Victor, for starting us in praise. Isn't this a great way to start it off? So, we want to welcome all of you, uh, whether you're here, present here, or whether you're going to tune in later this week. Um, Let us worship and praise our Lord together here this morning. So Pastor Victor has been leading us in the second in Second Peter, and I look forward to continuing in chapter three this morning. As a call to worship, I'd like to read first Peter three verse fifteen. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. So, you remember three weeks ago, Ron Burley spoke here um, that morning. And um, what he didn't share that morning, but he had shared earlier in a presentation that I heard, was he did share that he prepares by praying and asking for God to send someone his way that he can share with to share the good news with or even or walk with, whatever the need is. But what he didn't say was that he always carries a tract in his pocket. And matter of fact, he has an agreement with his grandchildren that if they ask him for him to show it and he can't, they get $25. So that does two things. It keeps him accountable but it also teaches his grandchildren what's important to him. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your servant, Peter. He teaches us to grow and become sharp instruments for your service. He teaches us not to keep the good news to ourselves. He asks us to live in such a way that others will ask, why do you have such hope? Help us to prepare to be the salt and light to the people around us. Winkler and our community here has so many who need us to tell them. Help us, Father, to be more intentional. I pray this in your name, amen.
3: I'll call on Mark. Good morning. I've spent a lot of time outside this week and we've had a beautiful week. It has been nice and warm and calm, and it is my favorite time of year. So, when I was looking for songs for this week, I uh, found some great songs about what God, what God has made in this world, which was what the first song was about, and also was the third one. And um, the second one, The Greatest Thy Faithfulness, um, Habakkuk three seventeen to 19 says, um, how does it go? Though the fruit tree shall not blossom, neither shall there be fruit in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off in the fold, and there shall be no uh, herd in the stall. Yet I will joy in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation, for He makes my feet like hind's feet. He makes me to tread upon mine high places. And I know some places have had a lot of rain this year, or enough rain. Um, Right where we are, we haven't had enough. And it's very easy to say, you know, there's not enough rain, there's not gonna be a crop. It's green right now, but is the seed going to fill? But you know, my joy should not be in how my crop is. My joy is in the Lord, who is my eternal salvation. And one way or another, things will be just fine. He can multiply in the bin. He can multiply in the field. Um, There are many ways that we can be sustained when it looks like we aren't. And um, so great is thy faithfulness. Let's sing it together, number 534. If you can, will you please join me to stand? Songs, uh, song is song 49. Oh, what's it called? Oh, yes. This is my father's world.
2: It's a bit of a problem. If I want to see you, I have to put on my glasses, and if I want to read, then... But let's take a look at the bulletin, and um, there's a few things going on um, this week in particular, and the thing to note is that there will not be a church service here next Sunday, but we will gather in the park, and let's celebrate together with our community and God's children in our community. Um, So let's take note of that and maybe let others know so that there's no uh, confusion. But before I go further into the um, bulletin, I want to invite Eileen to come up and share about VBS and how it went this week.
0: Good morning.
1: I just want, from from the VBS committee, we want to tell
0: you a very big thank you uh, to the, our volunteers that helped. I don't know, we had maybe 25, 30 volunteers that helped through the week. Uh, and also, we want to thank you very much for your prayers. We had a fantastic week. It was so great. We had more kids than we had prepared for, but uh, we're going to give you a, a full report uh, the Sunday after uh, the Harvest Festival. So, but we wanted to tell you thank you very much for your prayers and uh, all the help we had.
2: Now we have a special um, celebration. Nathaniel is going to work at camp for two weeks and we want to have him maybe share what he be doing and then Pastor Victor will come up and we'll
3: pray for him. Hello, I am going to be working at uh, Winkler Bible Camp for two weeks, this next week and the week after, and uh, I will be cabin leading for the junior boys and it's going to be walking. I don't know what I'm walking into yet, so I would just like to ask for prayer and support and thank you all.
0: We do want to pray for him. Now, in case we've missed anyone else in our church, is there anyone else that's serving at camp? You can stand up if you are. (laughs) Oh, we should maybe uh, work on that, have find a way for seniors to get involved in camp. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. Anyway, would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for our young people we thank you that they love you. We thank you for Nathaniel specifically right now that, and his joy to go and serve at Winkler Bible Camp and also the role that uh, he's been assigned there to be a cabin leader for junior boys. Um, he says he doesn't know what he's walking into and we all uh, feel that, would feel that way too. So, Father, we pray that you would encourage him and strengthen him and give him everything that he needs to fulfill his role there. And, Father, we uh, also pray that as he does that, that he will be able to communicate the gospel in a meaningful way to those, to those boys, so that the seed will be planted, that it will bear fruit, and that these will become young men who uh, will become the pillars of the Church. Thank you for Nathaniel's willingness. We pray that you would add your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: I don't know about how many of you started your journey in uh, your spiritual journey in camp i did any of you want to raise your hands did that happen to others of you it was a very special camp for me okay we have some um, corrections here or apologies and isn't that good the church can apologize Um, to um, peter and tina dick for missing their 65th anniversary and um, um, it was Anne, it's Ann Wiens, that's in Salem, not Betty Wiens. And um, in Taborholm, we have Verna Hebert. So just take note of that. There's a ministry opportunity for someone to be the executive director for um, Central Station. That's a big work that's happening in our community. Uh, let's pray for to find someone um, Bev feels that she's brought it to a place and, uh, and that someone else should maybe move it from here. And so someone out there that can take and take it to the next place. So let's pray that we will find someone for, for that position. And if it's something God's calling you for, then volunteer your name. In Boundary Health Center, we have Amy Friesen, Carolyn Hamm, Mary Cron, Courtney Thiessen, and in Notre Dame, Dave Weeb, and in Swan Lake Hospital is Mary Duick and John Suderman. Just also to take note that Alvina Dirksen um, is recovering at home. Uh, pray for her, uh, pray for Dorothy Elias, as Margaret Suderman, her sister-in-law, his, her sister, went into a coma on Thursday, and her brother-in-law, Henry, is in another hospital, so it's a difficult time. Yes, Pastor?
0: She has since passed away.
2: She has since passed away, like Margaret has passed away. So let's pray uh, for Dorothy and the family You know, in that way. So, uh, just a little note on my father. He is going to be coming back to his place in, in villages on Tuesday. So, he is recovering. Uh, there will be limitations that he didn't have before, but um, you know, when you break your hip, things happen. So, um, and we also want to uh, express sympathy to Jesse Zacharias uh, and family. Um, she's a sister-in-law to Lydia. And we want to um, also walk with Dave and Eileen Dick as Marvin, um, their son-in-law passed last week earlier. And, uh, and for Becky, they, they were part of our, are also part of our assembly in the past. So take note of some of the things happening to people in terms of birthdays and anniversaries. Let's take a time to pray. Father, we thank you for who you are and for the opportunity to serve you. And we have uh, many here who are serving in many capacities. And Father, we thank you for Preston and Myra, our missionaries of the week. We thank you for the work that they do and for Preston who travels all over the world helping Christian leaders um, work and spread the good news with their peers and with the people that they do business with. And Father, um, we thank you for the VBS that just happened this past week. We thank you for the, all the volunteers, but we want to also thank, thank you, the church body, for praying and for supporting that work. Father, we, um, we thank you for Nathaniel and his willingness to take two weeks and, and you know, step out of the boat. You know, um, he's not sure, like he said, he's not sure what he's going to be doing, but he's prepared to be willing to do that where um, God may lead him and give him opportunities, special opportunities to share. Father, we have many that are hurting today and in, in, that are... Not even only listed uh, only the ones listed here, but there's many in our church community that are are dealing with um, health issues of, of many sorts. And Father, we just ask for your peace that passes all understanding for them, but also for Ab Friesen, Carolyn Ham, Mary Cron, Cornice C. E. Teason, Dave Weeb, Mary Duig, John Suderman, and Alvina Dirksen, and for the Margaret Suderman family, Dorothy Elias, Father, only you can provide a peace that the world can't understand. And Father, we know that that is your gift and promise. Uh, we uh, ask uh, that for, for Jesse Zacharias family and Lydia, for, for Dave and Eileen and um, Becky, walk with them as only you can. Father, I ask now that you will bless and multiply that which is offered to you. May it, may it build your kingdom in whichever place and way that you would want it to. Pray all of this in your name, amen. Thank you, Ramona, for sharing your gift.
4: Our scripture lesson is found in 2 Peter. We'll be studying chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, the last six verses of the book. Today we'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. 2 Peter, chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.
0: So we're going to finish up on Second Peter. And... Uh it's been, a bit, it's been a bit heavy, and, uh, but there's some real uh, good encouragement for us in this last little bit, and, uh, uh, but we're not going to forget what we've been talking about, so let me begin. The passage we looked at last week ended with verses 11 and 12 of chapter 3. <clears throat> Peter was talking about the day of the Lord, which will be a day of reckoning for all creation. With fire, God will burn up the heavens and expose the deeds of earth. And in light of that, Peter wrote this. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? In lives of holiness and uh, godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment and a day of reckoning. It has big implications for how we should live our lives and for whom we should live our lives. The judgment to come, though, is for the ungodly. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, in a sermon uh, that somebody sent me to listen to this week, also on this this, uh, chapter, uh, Chuck Swindoll said this, the judgment of the Christian is in the past, the judgment of the ungodly is future. And why is the Christian's judgment in the past? Because our judgment fell on Jesus. Jesus absorbed in his body The judgment for our sin and that judgment was death and he died. Following that he rose from the dead conquering death and he secured eternal life for all who follow him and that is the good news. But for the ungodly the day of the Lord will be unbearable and unescapable. Everything visible will be burned up. Nothing tangible will be left. Nothing that the wicked have set their hopes on will remain. And at that moment, there will be nothing but people standing before God with all their deeds exposed. No word or deed will be hidden and there will be no place to hide because everything is burned up. All the wicked will be standing before the Ancient of Days as he opens the books and judgment commences. Each one will receive his due. As we read in Revelation chapter 20 verse 12, the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So with everything burned up, where will we go? Where will the wicked or the righteous go? Well, we have answers for that. Places have been prepared. Jesus is the one who tells us about these places. In Matthew chapter 25 at verse 41, where Jesus talked about separating the sheep and the goats, he said, "'Then he will say to those on his left, "'Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, "'prepared for the devil and his angels.'" a place has been prepared for those who rebel against God. Angels who did not stay within their position of authority, according to Jude 6, it is also a place for the enemies of God, for those who do not know him and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, according to 2 Thessalonians 1.8. So that one place has been prepared. Speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, Jesus also said this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus has prepared a place for us. As a bridegroom prepares a place for his bride, so Jesus has prepared a place to live with his church. So according to the Bible, a place has been prepared for both the righteous and the wicked, a place to spend eternity. This makes the opening words of today's scripture passage quite exciting, actually. Peter has spoken of the day of the Lord which awaits the ungodly, which we looked at last time, and then he wrote, But according to his promise, we are awaiting new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We have nothing to dread when the Lord appears. Because, as we said before, the judgment of the Christian is in the past. We look forward to a new place to live, free from all wickedness, from all evil, from all corruption. The destruction and the disappearance of the current heavens and earth is not an end in itself. They actually must give way for the new heavens and the new earth for which we wait. And this was spoken of long ago. Uh, The prophet Isaiah, uh, probably, what, about 700 years before Christ, said this, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, Isaiah 65. And in the next chapter, Isaiah wrote, for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall, sorry, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. So whatever he's preparing, he is preparing it forever. The new shall remain before the Lord. And what does that mean to remain before the Lord? It means that it will always be before the Lord, which means that it's eternal. If something remains before an eternal God, it too must be eternal. And our names will remain. Oh, I should say first our offspring will remain. And that means not our physical offspring, but those who came to faith through us, right? Um, Some of us, hopefully many of us, have in some way been part of someone coming to the Lord those offspring of ours will also remain eternally before God and then as I said our names will remain. We do not slip as they believe in some other religions that you enter some ethereal fog and dissolve forgotten into a pantheistic divine entity. (laughs) So if you know what that means Pantheism is the belief that everything is God and God is everything, right? And and, and people who believe that would say that, well, you're you're God, you just don't know it yet, right? That kind of stuff. And that when we die, we just all become God and we lose ourselves in this great entity. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches and that's not what happens for us. If our names remain, before God, that means we are not forgotten, but we are remembered personally and individually by God forever. We are significant to Him, we are saved by Him, and loved by Him, each one of us. Then let's turn to Revelation 21 at verse 1. And here it also talks about the new heaven and new earth. It says, He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he himself will be with them as their God. That is just such an encouraging line. And in fact, it is the fulfillment of God's plan right from the beginning, isn't it? That God would dwell with his people, Speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, God said, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is the prophet Jeremiah who was speaking as as, uh, Jerusalem just before Jerusalem fell to to Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. But much, uh, many hundreds of years before that, as, law, as God was giving the law through Moses, we read this in Leviticus, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. It's not a new line. And if you go hundreds of years before that, you find that the same concept is there when God is talking to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17 verse eight, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the." the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." When God presents to us as our final home what he has stated as his goal all along, Let, well, let me read, read this. We have, we have fi- a final statement here in, in Revelation 21 about this. It's at verse uh, 7 and 8. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The place prepared for us is the new heaven and the new earth. So knowing this, that we await these What are we to do in the meantime? What do we do as we wait? And out of that question comes the title of this sermon, as we wait. So let's look at verse 14. 2 Peter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a little bit to unpack here and we will do that, but it's not very complicated. There are four instructions in this passage here for the church. Uh, There's one, it looks like, uh, looks like Peter went on a bit of a rabbit trail. (laughs) We'll go into that too. And then, and then there's the benediction. So let's look at verse 14 again. It begins with therefore, indicating that what is about to be said is based on what has just been said. Peter said that we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth, therefore. And then he gives us two instructions. One is to be diligent to be found by him, meaning Jesus, without sin and at peace. Peter used a carryover here from the laws of animal sacrifice, which was that the animal offered was to be without spot or blemish. The transfer of application isn't very difficult to make. And suddenly it becomes clear That Jesus desires us to offer ourselves without spot or blemish. If Jesus requires it, it must in some way be possible. Right? And it is. We know that it is the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. 1 John The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Plain and simple. What this means then for us in daily living is that we must keep clean with Jesus. Repentance, uh, regular repentance, is necessary for us to stay clean with Jesus. Often think of the line of a hymn, come the fount of every blessing, there's a, there's a line in there that says, uh, bind my wandering heart to thee. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if it, that line ever comes to you when you find yourself, oh, okay, I'm way away from Jesus, I better get back there. And it gets frustrating sometimes when you think, why can't I just walk with Jesus instead of wandering away all the time? Bind my wandering heart to thee. So the encouragement here is don't let an hour go by when you know you've sinned, that you don't confess it and come clean. And that's with Jesus and it's with the rest of us too. I often say the best time to clean up a mess is right away. Whether it's spilled coffee, whether it's a fight with a friend or a sin of omission, Confess it, come clean and get back on your feet and keep walking in the ways of our God. The concept of coming clean is then re-emphasized by the next three words, and at peace. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Well, how does one be at peace? How do I arrive at that? You may have heard me say before that you cannot manufacture peace, but we can make peace. (laughs) So what do I mean by that? I mean that peace is something that we cannot produce from within ourselves, it does not come from us. However, we can make efforts by confessing and confronting, to come clean with each other and with the Lord. That is what it means to make peace. And to that extent, we can be at peace. This is what Paul meant in Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's the first instruction. Second, is to count the patience of the Lord as salvation. From our vantage point, we look back on 2,000 years of church history and also on 2,000 years of reading and studying the New Testament. Four times in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am coming soon. And in the New, Mer- New American Standard Bible, it translates that as, I am coming quickly. Well, if you and I had been there to hear it, we would think, it's gotta be in my lifetime. <clears throat> but many lifetimes have come and gone since those words were uttered. Those who do not believe God, cast their doubts on God's promise. As we read earlier in the book, but here, for the second time, Peter reminds us that what, what appears to be God as being super slow in fulfilling his promise is actually his patience. As Paul said in Romans 11:25, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. God is patient that all sheep should come home. Therefore, we do not lose hope Because of the long wait, rather, we rejoice that God is patient. We all know someone for whom God is being patient, someone who does not yet acknowledge him. So we're instructed to be diligent, to be clean and at peace, and we are to count the patience of the Lord as salvation. And now we come to that, what looks like a rabbit trail that I mentioned earlier. Peter seems to go off his train of thought here, and yet he does point us back to the false teachers that he talked about in chapter 2. And I'll read uh, verses 15 and 16 together here. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Well, one thing we learn from this, these two verses is that Peter also struggled to understand some of the things that Paul wrote. Well, that's encouragement to me. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by that. I'm not the only one who struggles with Paul's words, but it helps us also to recognize something that our lack of, understand, uh, lack of understanding does not rob the scripture of its truthfulness or its authenticity. The scripture is true and it is the word of God to us whether we understand it or not. Peter accepts it is, we should also. The second thing we learn in these two verses is the practice of those who are ignorant and unstable. They twist the scriptures. Just look at the fight of our day over what the Bible actually says about human sexuality. And there seems to be no end to the efforts made to make the Bible say something it does not say. That homosexual relationships are good and blessed by God. That women can and should be ministers and deacons. That God made some mistakes when he put people together going so far as to give God himself a sex change and call him mother. All these are false and wrong. The Bible says no such thing. And those who advocate for false teachings are those who twist the scriptures. Now I know that I have just hit a nerve. And I acknowledge that many of us have advocated for things the Bible does not teach without desiring to be contrary to the scriptures. I too have been guilty of this. But the Lord knows our hearts and he is gracious with us as we grow in knowledge. And we can talk more about this some other time. But the word of God must be upheld. It is true. And it's ourselves that need to be continually corrected. The third thing we learn in verses 15 and 16 is that those who twist the scriptures do so to their own destruction. Twisting the scriptures is a misrepresentation of God. And Deuteronomy 18.20 says that the prophet who misrepresents God shall die. That's how much God hates being misrepresented. Therefore, it is destruction to oneself to twist the scriptures. And the fourth thing we learn is a little bit more uplifting. We learn here how Peter regards the writings of Paul. Peter wrote that the ignorant and unstable twist the twist Paul's writings as they do the other scriptures. So this is a clear indication that uh, Peter has regarded Paul's writing as scripture, as the word of God. And this is a lesson to all who would discredit Paul's writings as being less than inspired, or any other New Testament writing for that matter. The word of God is not to be tampered with or discredited. The Bible we have is the word of the eternal God and the word he wants us to know. It is not in need of the correction of man. That's what we learn here in what appears to be a bit of a rabbit trail. I'm glad Peter wrote it. And out of this now comes another therefore and two more instructions. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, knowing what? Knowing that ignorant and unstable people twist the scriptures. And here's today's third instruction. Take care that you are not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your identity. Sorry, lose your stability. This isn't hard to understand either. People who do not believe God want to twist the scriptures to justify their choices and then insist that we we join them in their rebellion. If only they would keep their rebellion to themselves, but they cannot. The conviction of their own conscience, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the rebuke of uh, people who live rightly before God, is so strong that they crave approval and and applause for their wrong choices. This scenario plays out for us daily in the news and also in our own encounters. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And finally, the fourth instruction uh, in this passage is this Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does it mean to grow in grace? Well, it cannot mean to grow in my need for grace. That would imply that I'm growing in the wrong direction. (laughs) I think it must mean that we grow in graciousness. Are we gracious people? Many of us are grandparents and all of us have been grandchildren and if one thing characterizes the difference between parents and grandparents I think it is the level of grace that is extended to our little ones. Parents may be sufficiently gracious but they also have to hold the line on training and discipline. As a grandfather I find myself being more gracious with my grandchildren than I was with our children. Are we gracious with one another? Am I gracious with my fellow believer uh, when he's testing me with patience? Am I gracious when a brother who has sinned against me sins again? Being gracious, by the way, does not mean ignoring the sin. I'm not saying that. Am I gracious when I've been slighted or hurt or ignored or overlooked? Am I gracious when everyone around me seems less so? Am I gracious with bumblers, with people who are awkward, people who make mistakes or are not quite prepared or often late? Am I a gracious person? And will we be gracious? The Bible instructs us to grow in grace. Grow in graciousness with others. There's a verse in Luke uh, chapter 6 that helps me think about this. Luke 6.35 says this. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Why? For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. If God is kind to such as these, does he not require the same of us? The second part of that statement is quite plain, that we ought to grow in knowledge. And I'll say the same thing that you've heard me say before. Read your Bible and do what it says. The first step in gaining knowledge is to know the information and to understand the instruction. The second step in gaining knowledge is to obey the instruction. If we don't do them both, then we don't actually gain the knowledge. You might read a cookbook. You might read a hundred cookbooks from cover to cover, but that does not make you a cook. You have to do it. So in response to the Bible twisters, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So now let's return to the beginning. What are we waiting for? A new heavens and a new earth. And while the ungodly await judgment, we are waiting for this new home of ours, for our new eternal home. A place that has been prepared for us who believe in God. A place that is totally separate and cut off from those who rebel. It is a place that Jesus has prepared. A place of safety where where we will be loved, where we will be secure and clean and holy with our God as the bride of Christ forever and ever. That's looking good, isn't it? And so as we wait for that, we're instructed to be clean and at peace, to understand the Lord's patience as salvation, to take care not to be carried away by the error of those who twist the scriptures, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, the last line, to him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the words of Peter to the church. And we know that he didn't write those words alone. But under the, under the influence of the under the inspiration of your spirit. And so we trust that these words are from you. And we thank you, Father, for the great hope that we have of looking forward to the home that is waiting for us. It also causes us some dread in our hearts for the sake of those that we know that do not yet know you, or refuse to know you. But in the meantime, as we wait, Father, give us strength, courage, wisdom, and joy to read your word and to do it, to walk in your ways and to be found without spot or blemish on the day of Jesus. Hallowed be your name. Amen.
3: Victor, thank you for teaching through Second Peter with us. There's been a lot of good truth and there's a lot of clarity brought when we read the word and we study it and um, a lot of direction for us, for... Well, I think we can easily say the times we live in, but, you know, these times have been since almost the beginning of time, and we need to continually learn how to deal with them. It's been a good encouragement. Let's read, let's sing song number 532. To God be the glory. It has three verses, so let's sing the first two, and then we'll have our closing benediction, and we'll sing the third one. Let's stand to sing, because I think that's how we should proclaim God as glorious.
0: receive this benediction from Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen.